0: Welcome to Men Alive, a biblical journey to help us become conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. I'm your host, Paul Estbrooks. Our teacher is my longtime friend, Dr. Jim Cunningham, consultant in adult education and director of Go Teach Global. Jim, we hear Christians talk about forgiveness and reconciliation. What is the difference between forgiveness and reconciliation?
1: Paul, you and I were in Ambon, Indonesia in 2001. This is where we first taught standing strong through the storm to some 50 pastors and church leaders. They had endured two years of conflict with Lasker jihad radicals who bombed, burned, and killed thousands of citizens on the island of Ambon. Remember when we talked about forgiveness? I do,
0: especially the pastor who confessed to the group his story of not forgiving because they knew what they were doing. He believed he only needed to forgive if a person did not know what they were doing.
1: Right. We taught correctly, in my estimation, that forgiveness is a separate and distinct issue from reconciliation. Forgiveness brings the pain and hate and anger back to zero. As Jesus said from the cross, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. He forgave the Roman soldiers who drove the nails between his bones. He forgave the disciples who, apart from John, appeared to have deserted him in his hour of need, but he never came down from the cross to have a cup of tea with the Roman soldiers and be reconciled to them. They were forgiven, true, that we can readily understand, and we are to forgive others as God, for Christ's sake, has forgiven us. Experiencing God's forgiveness changes our attitude towards those who betray our trust. But where and how does this wonderful message of reconciliation fit into the forgiveness equation? Scripture says we are agents of reconciliation. But what does that mean? Forgiveness and reconciliation are distinct but related topics. When there has been a betrayal of trust and the person is hurt or angry or bitter towards someone, the decision to forgive them, in essence, brings the relationship back to zero. If that person is unwilling to forgive, there is little hope for reconciliation. Reconciliation can only occur if both parties are willing to forgive and start over. As someone said, to do injury puts you below your enemy. To want revenge puts you equal to your enemy. To forgive puts you above your enemy. Is it possible to forgive someone but never be reconciled to them? The answer is yes. For example, The person you forgive, like an abusive relative, may now be dead. You can forgive them for the abuse, but you can never be reconciled to them. We heard one woman's story, Paul, where a stranger she did not know and never saw again raped her at night. She told us that by God's grace she was able to forgive the man for his evil, painful betrayal of trust, but he was never found and never arrested, so she did not even know who he was, much less ever reconciled to him. The rebuilding of a relationship based on love and trust can start again once both parties ask for and agree to forgive each other. In some cases, it happens quickly. In other cases, it takes time to reestablish love and trust. And in some cases, like those mentioned, it is never possible to be reconciled. Let's look at what happens after we forgive someone for their betrayal of trust and seek to rebuild a new level of reconciliation leading to restored trust and love.
0: Good insights, Jim. But before we go further, let me remind our listeners that this is Men Alive with Dr. Jim Cunningham from GoTeach Global. For a printed copy of this program's teaching or with any questions you may have, email Dr. Jim at God at
1: gmail.com. Okay, step one. We have forgiven someone, and they have accepted our apology and forgiven us. The pain and the hurt and the anger and the gossip and the slander have stopped. We are now at zero in our relationship. Going forward, though, we want to be reconciled to the other person. How does this happen? First, we must continue or begin to pray for the one we have forgiven. Job 42.10 says, When Job prayed for his friends, the Lord restored his fortunes. In fact, the Lord gave him twice as much as before. If we cannot pray for the person's recovery and goodwill, there is a strong likelihood our forgiveness was less than genuine. The evidence of a change in our heart attitude is our willingness to pray a blessing on that person. No vengeance, no hurt. We must have a pure heart towards our former adversary. Proverbs twenty four seventeen eighteen 18 says, Don't rejoice when your enemies fall. Don't be happy when they stumble, for the Lord will be displeased with you and will turn his anger away from them. We must sincerely pray for the Lord's blessing on the one we have forgiven. This will change our attitude and our comments about that person from wanting to gossip and slander to wanting God's best for them. Second, we must show kindness to the one we have forgiven. Ephesians 4.32 says, Instead, be kind to each other, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. This is a challenge, especially if the person has been cruel or vicious towards us. But remember, we need to agree that reconciliation can only occur if both parties have asked for and received forgiveness. Third, if the one we have forgiven is not a Christian, we then seek and pray for their salvation. 2 Peter 3.9 The Lord isn't really being slow about his promise, as some people think. No, he is being patient for your sake. He does not want anyone to be destroyed, but wants everyone to repent. The perpetrator of the hurt or betrayal of trust may not be a Christian. It is possible to be reconciled to a non-believer who is willing to accept and extend forgiveness, but their salvation now becomes our prayer for them. Fourth, We must be super wise in rebuilding a relationship of trust with the one to whom we extend forgiveness. Matthew 10, 16 says, Look, I am sending you out as sheep among wolves, so be as shrewd as snakes and harmless as doves. Asking forgiveness, receiving forgiveness, and giving forgiveness is the first step. But one must be very discerning in rebuilding trust with the perpetrator of the original betrayal of trust. If someone cheated you out of money, you must be careful about giving more money, even if you forgive them. They must earn your trust again. 5. We must live at peace with the one we have forgiven. Romans twelve eighteen says, Do all that you can to live in peace with everyone. When we meet the person we have forgiven, we face the challenge of overlooking the betrayal of trust. Peter asked Jesus, How many times are we to forgive? Seven times? And Jesus answered, Seventy times, seven. Each reconnection is a chance to remember they are forgiven. Six, we must see the good and seek the good in the one we have forgiven. Ephesians 4.31 says, Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. To be reconciled, we must now accept the person as an equal. We are both sinners saved by grace. And seventh, we must be wise in our times with the person to discern the levels of trust and love. Matthew 18, 16 says, Go back again so that everything you say may be confirmed by two or three witnesses. It is probably wise to meet the person in a neutral group setting first, in a public place, or with a trusted mutual friend before initiating one-on-one conversations or contacts. 2 Corinthians 5.19 says, For God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. And he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. These suggestions recommend caution on the God-ordained path of reconciliation. But God calls this a wonderful message of reconciliation. Rebuilding or reconciling relationships with those we have truly forgiven will go a long way to bring healing to the wounds of the heart. Scripture is filled with stories where God used a hurt to purify our faith. God's love and grace is stronger than any hurt or suffering. God knows how to turn evil into good, as the Genesis story of Joseph tells us. Joseph, when reconciled to his brothers after they sold him into slavery, said, You meant it for evil. God meant it for good. Paul, you have close ties with a ministry of reconciliation. Tell us how it seeks to fulfill what we've just discussed.
0: Reconciliation is a huge issue between Israelis and Palestinians. In 1990, a group of Palestinian and Israeli believers formed a ministry called Musalaha. The word in Arabic means reconciliation. For the past years, this group has sought to bring reconciliation between the two opposing sides. The negativity has been ingrained from childhood. Christians from both sides of the notorious wall that divides them go to the desert together to spend time getting to know each other, living like their forefather Abraham. They come home changed, with a new appreciation for the other. Musalaha does this with adults, young people, as well as sponsoring summer camps for
1: children. Thanks, my brother. Your example is living proof that when we ask for forgiveness and offer forgiveness, we can then also become agents of reconciliation. Praise God. Now that may sound easy, but before we can truly forgive others, we must experience God's forgiveness by accepting Jesus Christ as our Savior. He will then give us his Holy Spirit who will live within us and give us the wisdom and the words and the grace and the humility to become an agent of reconciliation.
0: Thanks, Jim. There you have it, men. God's plan is for us to be agents of reconciliation, becoming conformed to the character of Jesus Christ. Dr. Jim and I have shared a 60-plus year friendship. I was best man at his wedding to Rita more than 50 years ago. I can attest that Jim has spent his lifetime gaining insights on the 12 primary roles of a man. I have also witnessed his lifelong goal to be conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. This has happened through good times and difficult personal defeats. He speaks from his heart. Steve Wilson of Focus on the Family writes, Men need help. That's the cry I hear in my ministry role. For the past years, Dr. Jim has been a mentor to me. I've seen his heart's passion for helping men in all cultures to be a biblical man. It is a treat to see an older brother take time to share biblical insights gained from his 50 plus year marriage to Rita. Lessons gained as a lifelong learner and disciple of Jesus Christ. For a printed copy of this program's teaching, or with any questions you may have, email Dr. Jim at menalive unto God at gmail.com. Men Alive is a production of Go Teach Global. For more information, go to our website at www.goteachglobal.com. Until next time, I'm Paul Estbrooks on behalf of Dr. Jim Cunningham encouraging you to be men alive conform to the image of Jesus Christ.